Hey everybody, it's Phil Gothier again with the Guy Watch Podcast. Uh, thanks for coming back and listening. We have a, a wonderful show for you today. But uh, real quick, we are coming up on Christmas. And so this will be the last show before the New Year's. Uh, and I just want to thank you guys again so much for making this show go a year. Uh, you know, we keep getting more listeners. Uh, we keep getting more more people sending support letters and, and saying that the show is something that they appreciate. So as long as we get that, we're going to keep going as long as we can. So thank you guys for sticking with me. And those of you who are just finding me, welcome. But uh, this week, like I was telling you, we have a wonderful show from a guy named Don Harkness. He's up in Battle Creek, Michigan. And Don has had a lot of ups and downs in his life. And I think that's one thing that he's going to explain to us uh, real well. I think one of the things that he really shows us is how to find God in some of those real small victories and those real small moments and not get too overwhelmed by the big things ahead of you. So I hope that you guys enjoy listening. Don Harkness. Don, thank you for taking the time to sit down and, and spend time with me today and, and share a little bit about your walk with God and just kind of where, where you've come from, where God's taking you, bumpy up and down road that it took to get here, right? Mm-hmm. So when we step back, what was, what was life like? What do we need to know before we really get too deep into your story? What are, what are some of those pivotal moments when you were younger? Well, I'd say uh, I grew up in a small town. Here, um, here in southern Michigan? Yeah, over okay. in a little small town called Parma, just outside of Jackson. It was a place where everybody knew each other. It was a time where you didn't lock your doors because you didn't have to fear for anything like that. I knew I couldn't do anything wrong in town because everybody knew my parents. <laughs> so if I did anything, it got back to them. So it kind of kept you on the straight and narrow. And what was it, growing up in, a, in an environment like that, what was that like for you? Because I know, I'm, I live in Iowa. You still go to small town Iowa and it's that same way. You know, you just, everybody knows their neighbor. There's not a locked house in town. Cars have the keys sitting in the ignition because, you know, you don't take them in with you. And that's still a life that people lead daily. What was that like for you, though, growing up? I mean, was it safe and secure? And Yeah, I, I, felt, I felt really, really safe. And it allowed me the confidence, I, would, I guess I'd say, to uh, just kind of go out and explore and... I never stayed at the house. Matter of fact, mom always said, it's a nice day outside. She'd kick us outside, lock the doors. Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah. Don't just be back before the street lights come on. And we'd do that. And met a lot of, had a lot of good friends, developed a lot of good relationships. Got into sports. Um, that's where I really got into was, my sports was in school and Ended up playing football most of my life. Okay. Played all through high school. I played two years in college. I went in the Marine Corps. I played football in the Marine Corps. Well, yesterday was your birthday then, right? Yes, it was. I went out and celebrated with a few of my other friends from high school that were Marines. Had a great time catching up. What did you do in the Marine Corps? I was a combat engineer. Okay. Basically, I, I built bridges. Yeah. And blew stuff up. That's what my brother did. My brother is a combat engineer. I built a lot more bridges than I blew stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> they sold you on the blowing the stuff up. <laughs> kind of left that bridge part out. See, I think that he had the opposite of that. You know, we, you know so my brother's younger, you know, and so he, he spent all of his time in Darien, Iraq, Afghanistan. And I have a feeling they blew up way more than they actually ever built. I never got to go. Yeah. I, they, a lot of people tell me I'm lucky. I, I feel let down. You know, I was, I was Army Infantry, and I never deployed. And I feel the exact same way. I, you know, and the way that I relate to them is, 
I trained for the Super Bowl, but I never got to play. Right. You know, and it doesn't make sense to people, but, you know, if you spent your whole life learning how to be an accountant and you never got to be an accountant, when feels, did you, what did you do? It feels a little empty. Yep, it does, you know. And now I hope that I look at it differently now because I have the life that I live and that I'm, I'm fairly content. And I, I now think back to how my life would be different if I would have deployed, been injured, enlisted longer, had a duty station, never met my wife. You know what I mean? You can play that hindsight's twenty twenty, and, right. and I'm happy with the way that life had turned out. But I really, when I, when I surround my, I still belong to different veterans organizations. And when I look at the service of these men and young men who have accomplished so much, I accomplished so little. I don't know. Maybe that's one way to look at it. I mean, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, it's just funny. Happy birthday, Marine Corps. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and in that small town of Parma, I had a good friend of mine. His name was Rick. And we were in Boy Scouts together. And his father was kind of like a second dad type deal to me. Yeah. He always taught us as Boy Scouts that no matter what you do, you never look behind you. And he was kind of spiritual, and so he kind of led the group, led our Boy Scouts as that. And I really think that because of that, that was a part, a time where we had uh, little events that like all the Boy Scout troops in the area would compete for a tomahawk that was casted and then hand painted by the local Indian tribe. Okay. And we won that 15 straight years in a row. There what, was- What did you have to do to win that? Do a, a several different, it was a whole weekend long event. Okay. And you did other, you competed against these other troops in Boy Scout events like fire making, uh, cooking, all the stuff that you do, merit Basic badges, skills. Basic skills, okay. and like building uh, a campsite. Who builds the best campsite the fastest? Uh, who can complete it in a certain time frame? And then there was other fun events like the fire department come out and hung up cable with a big metal ball in the middle, and they had trucks on either side, water tanker trucks, and we'd all get dressed up like firefighters, and you would have this like tug of war type battle with hoses moving that heavy thing back and forth across the, the zip line. Huh. And that was another event. And so there were some fun events along with some serious ones. But you would compete all weekend and then win this trophy, this tomahawk. He kind of always pushed us that to where if we got distracted and we lost an event, a lot of people would dwell on that loss and then turn it into another loss and then another loss. And then the next thing you know, you're out of it. We, as the way he taught us to never look backwards, we lost that event, we went on to this one. We didn't look back at that event. And it really never sunk into me how important that was until this last series that we just did here in church where they were talking about the armament of God yeah. and how everything that he puts on that armament he doesn't put anything in the back because his soldiers never go backwards. They always go towards the fight. And that kind of like said, wow. So with the U.S. military, right? Just like the Marine Corps. Like <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and so that, I mean, that's kind of, is that kind of an overarching theme that you've been able to use in your life? Yeah. I, mean, I think that that could be a, a good positive thing to, far too often I think we dwell on our on our current position or where we've been right mm -hmm. and it's hard to increase and have a better life moving forward because of where we've been and so i mean i think that that's a pretty ingenious way to to approach life don't look backwards just keep keep moving forward so. yeah I've, i mean i've had um a few rough times through my life and if you look backwards and go, well, see, I joined the Marine Corps after I kind of did this, this setback of 
football and there was a period where I got hurt and I was like, well, I ain't gonna be able to go on. And that's when I joined the Marine Corps instead of going right out of high school. But if I would have went right out of high school, I wouldn't have met the girl at college that got me to this side of the state. Her brother would not have, would not be my closest, I'm a, I actually call him a brother, we're that close of friends. He, right now, he's my only family that I have left that's here. Yeah. Everybody else, my sister and them are down in Texas and that's, and that's it, because my nephew followed in the, he's in the Army and flies Apaches. Okay. So, and that's her son. He's stationed down there in Texas and she follows him. So if I would have went back and chose a different path, I don't know where I'd be and I don't know if I'd, even with the bad things that's happened, I don't think I'd want to change any of it. Yeah, and that's, it's kind of like what I was saying, you know, with me is, I, you know, I can look back and just have, have maybe some things that I'm not feeling positive about, but at least, I know where I'm at now, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm hearing you say too, is where I'm at now has got to be the perfect place. And, you know, and I think, and one of the things about that can be God has put us here for a reason, for a purpose. And that's why we, just because it's the perfect place doesn't mean it's the great, a happy place, a, a emotionally satisfying place. But it's where we need to be right now. When did your walk with God start? I mean, have you always been churched? I mean, you're a little kid living in a small town. My family grew up Catholic. Okay. And so we went to church every Sunday, sat in the pews, kneel, stand, kneel, stand, sit. homily. <laughs> kneel, stand, sit, kneel, stand, sit. I think that's why I was so good in football because I had practice on Sundays, getting <laughs> doing up downs. <laughs> so I had that Catholic up, upbringing and I belonged, I just didn't feel like that's where I wanted to be. But back then, you're part of a family so you do what the family does. I took the courage to go to my parents and say, all my friends in school go to this, this church group for high school kids. And I said, I really want to go. I said, but, it, but it's at a Christian church. My dad really looked at me and said, I don't care if you go, just don't tell your grandmother because it'll break her heart because she's diehard, devoted Catholic. That's, if you're not Catholic, you're wrong in her eyes. So we, we didn't tell her and I went and I developed a lot of really good relationships with other kids in my community, and a lot of us played football. And so I'd meet these guys on Friday nights, playing football against them. And we would talk if we knew we were playing each other in our group, and I'd just tell them, say, hey, I like you right now, but Friday night, <laughs> I don't like you, and then after the game's over, I'll like you again. Yeah. And so it was like a little bragging rights type thing, but shortly after joining that group is when I would say everything just kind of fell apart. Well, so the, the Catholic to a more Christian church switch situation, when you were at the Catholic church, did you feel that you had you know, we, I think we describe a lot as that personal relationship with Jesus. Like, did you feel that there was that relationship there or was it just simply like a head knowledge? Like, were, were you looking for something different? Is that why you were making yeah, it? Yeah, because it seemed like in, and I don't really know how to say this, in the Catholic Church, to me, it felt like the military. You show up at this time. You do this at this time. You do this at that time. The, it was the tradition, the tradition, and the ritual yes. side of it. Okay. It wasn't like that. I found through Christianity that when you come into church, and if you feel like standing, you stand. If you feel like clapping, you clap. 
If you want to raise your hand, nobody's going to look yep. at you sideways. Yep. yep. You're, you got a freedom to just take, take the service where it leads you, not really where they want you to go, where, how it affects you and how it applies to you. And that's what I really liked about it. And so even, even a, I mean, are we talking high school age? Yeah. Okay. So even at that high school age, you started to recognize there's a, a freedom that you're finding in, in a different group. And it actually made it to where when we would go to church on Sundays, I felt like forced. Yeah. I had to go. And it was out of responsibility, less yep. than a desire. Right. But once I got with this group, I mean, I felt to where it made it to where made it interesting, made it more my choice to go and that I wanted to be there. And I think when you have that I want to be there attitude versus I have to be there, you pick up more and you learn more and you get more out of it. Yeah. So now you, you were kind of alluding, I think, before I wanted to go back and talk some of that, but that things got rougher. I mean, I can't remember exactly what you you were moving somewhere with that story. Yeah, we, uh, I was in high school playing football and my dad had started getting sick. He had emphysema. There was a time where we had to take him to the hospital and there was a mix up where they couldn't admit him without a certain number from Medicare. And so they have him coming up three times a day back to the hospital in Albion for breathing treatments until they can get to Monday so they can get this number and they can admit him. So here it is, Saturday morning. I'm laying here watching TV, getting ready to do my day for football. We had a game that night, and someone comes up knocking on our door saying that my dad is laying in the street. So I run down there and just in a pair of shorts. My friend Rick comes from Boy Scouts, lived just down the road. He comes up. The two of us are doing CPR on my dad. He passes away. All because he didn't have a stupid number. Because the, the system The system broke really down. Yep. Yeah. And at that point, I was young, angry, and I walked away from everything, the church, family. I just shut down and because I couldn't see how this all-loving, all-powerful God yeah. could take the one person away from me that's supposed to show me how to be a man. Yeah, that's that's a that's a rough place I I can imagine to be in and the head you know in the head of a thirteen fourteen year old kid. You know I I've talked about some of my on the on the show before I've I've talked about some of the mental state that I was in um, when my father was gone from my life. Not, not past, but just not there for me. And it led me to a place of anger, a place of um, bitterness. I, you know, I found myself trying to Fill that void. I didn't know God then, but I found myself trying to fill this void with things around me. And those things, a lot of times, were hate, anger, selfishness, greed, mm -hmm. envy. You know, why does everybody else have what I want, but I can't? Did, can you relate, I guess? Yeah. I mean, and so you're. What age now? Th 14. 14. And yeah, I mean, that's, those are your developmental years, right? And 
one of the things that I always struggled with, and you brought it up, was how am I going to learn to be a man, right? That's the guy that was supposed to teach me. I got to learn to shave. I got to learn to tie a tie. I learned those things from the internet, you know? Like, you know, I, I didn't stand there to teach these things to me. And I, I totally, in a, to, in a different way, I understand kind of where you're coming from with that. And so having that relationship with God at the time, though, I didn't. And so what happened with that? Well, I, uh, it took several years. Yeah. I just walked away. I didn't pray no more. I didn't go to groups. I just, I didn't do anything. I didn't even go to church. So I just kind of went on in this fog kind of deal, living, doing things, going to college, playing football, getting rougher at football, I, meaner, I would say, because I would take an Instead of doing bad things with that anger, I just used football to release it. And I'd build that anger up and then take it out on that field and just let it go. So just hitting harder, playing harder, maybe little uncalled for shots here or there type stuff? Yeah. And it wasn't till later that my mom got another boyfriend which was a friend of the a friend of the family he knew me I knew him all my life he stepped in and kind of took over that father role he go he I remember him sitting me down one day and telling me I'm not going to replace your dad no one can yeah but I can I can help show you things and I learned a lot from that man so now was that well received from you? I mean, because you were older, right? You're college, yeah. college age. College age. And so. I just kind of went off and I think I was always looking for that father figure. He taught me a level of respect. You got to respect somebody before you can learn from them. And I respected him greatly. And he taught me a lot of, a lot of good things. And then I've met other men that have kind of taken over, taken that father role. I lived with my girlfriend's family for a long time, working on the farm. Her dad, same thing, he took over that father role, kind of teaching me how to be that better man. And I learned a, a lot a lot of things from different people that I just applied in my life. So one of the things that I kind of, when I reflect on that, that developmental time in my life, um, and it's kind of the same, and, and I, I just wondered about that relationship because I know that um, my mother got remarried, and I was older, uh, I should probably know, but junior, senior high school, somewhere in that age, and by then I'm, I'm a little more grown, you know, what my mom's going to do, my mom's going to do, you know what I mean, it's not, I don't, I, he didn't come in to parent me. He came in kind of like what you're saying to just to be that extra role model, role model, that person to look to. If I, you know, I can't say that he would nose in my business, but if I wanted to discuss my business with him, I was welcome. You right. know? But then my father got remarried when he was young or when I was really young, and, and there was an animosity between me and my stepmother. And I think that, you know, she wanted that motherly role. And I mean, and, and to this day, I still kind of get perturbed, <laughs> you know, because she, there's not a happy birthday message that comes. It's this string of 40 text messages, you know, about, everything that's happened in life and you know you got to build those relationships in little bits and pieces you know and and I look at those two those two step parents in totally different lights you know and and I don't know if it's because of the age I was at or the situation you know and mm -hmm. so yeah and that's why you know just to figure out where the, where you were at with it it sounds like you were more open welcoming ready to accept that 
yeah. relationship. And I, I think it's a, there's a kind of a difference between parents that split, split up versus the hard loss and death of, yeah. of one. And I mean, cause I never knew how strong my mom was until I watched her go through this. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, I mean, you know, I'm a married guy. I couldn't imagine going through that with my wife. You know, I just, she is everything that I do, you know, mm -hmm. and when that's turned upside down, I don't know how you recover. You know, it's, you have to be strong. You have to be. It's hard. Yeah. So strong, strong, good woman. You still really good relationship with your mother? Uh, I, yeah, I've always had a good relationship with my mother, but uh, um, 12 years ago, she uh, came down with cancer. And talking how strong she is, she ended up with four different types of cancers over 10 years. Wow. She battled every single one of them. But two years ago, she finally lost. That was hard. I imagine, and I, you have, You've experienced a lot of loss, and so let's let's move to what you what you gained in in your relationship with God. I think that you probably have an amazing insight on you know you talked about how could God have removed your father from you when you were young, and through those through loss and tragedy, I think sometimes God gives us this heart and this these ideas and these thoughts that help us to grow and flourish in his kingdom right mm -hmm. so when you when you look at some of those real lessons that god has taught you what what are some of those key facts like what are the what are those key points that god's kind of taught you on this journey that you've had one thing i really believe and feel is even though I walked away he didn't yeah he was right there beside me the entire time watching guiding and kind of let me do my thing but just reaching out and touching me every once in a while yeah. just to say hey I'm still here. So he would just touch me every once in a while and just to say, later, when you reflect. When you're, when you're ready, I'm here. I'm, I'll, you can see in these, these times in your life, when I touched you, that to let you know that I was always here. Yeah. You might have walked away, but I didn't. And so without a lot of this parental stuff to go to, sounds really weird, <laughs> but I went for, with friendships and found my way to this church and um, met wise people here and just kind of sat back and until I got uh, into some small groups. Hmm. And really the small group that I'm in now, we're like, kind of like a big family. Small groups at the church generally run six to eight, 10, maybe 10 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Our group runs year round. <laughs> but then that's just it, that, that idea of love and the group is not it's not your morning social club. No. It's your family. It's those relationships. It's the good and the bad and the ugly and the painful and the joy. You know, and you celebrate those together. Yep. You know, and that's the and that's it's amazing when it actually clicks. You know what I mean? Because I've been in 
I don't know how your experience with small groups have been, but I've been in really good small groups. I've been in really bad small groups. I've been in small groups that were good, you know, and, and ones that were great, you know, and when they're great, they're, there's nothing like it. This one here, I was, we had a pastor here who's now moved on to another. And uh, once again, down in Texas, so that darn Texas keeps taking everything I love, you know. <laughs> His name was Jess Allen, and he was he was the leader of this of this small group. And I remember him walking up to me when we met playing softball through the church, kind of going out and ministering into the into Battle Creek. We'd minister to people. We didn't play in the, a church league softball. Yeah. We played <laughs> in the city. So we'll get out here with you these You were a church beer. team yep. playing in the city league. Playing in the city. So we're out here with these beer drinking, swearing guys who I literally watched through playing softball and fellowshipping together. By the end of the season when we're playing, you're not seeing these guys bringing beer to the games. You're not seeing all the vulgar language on the field. You're actually seeing guys really caring. I mean, someone gets hurt, everybody goes over and helps the person up. Yeah. You didn't see that before. You see life's change. Yeah. Yeah. Just in, just in a little thing. And Jess goes to me, he goes, are you a part of small groups? And I said, now nah, they scare me. <laughs> he goes, why? I said, it's just being in that group. And to open up and be vulnerable. And he goes, in the time that I've known you, I've never seen you shut up. <laughs> so he goes, you're coming to my house tonight. Meet my small group. As soon as I walked in the door, I loved it. Yeah. It's, you talk about, you know, he says, oh, since I've met you, I haven't seen you shut up. I'm one always of, talking. <laughs> you know, so one of the things I talk a lot too. That's maybe, maybe why you know I do what I do. I know when I was younger, I I spoke a lot, but I didn't always have something to say, or if I did, I was putting on, you know. I think you know you talk about the masks. You know, we wear different masks when we go places. If I was sad, if I was depressed, you didn't know it because I still talked all the time and I put this grin on my face, but inside I was a mess. I call it the. I'm fine attitude. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you kind of talk through even the same thing, like, you know, just because I'm talking doesn't reflect my actual yeah. situation. And, but the, one, but the one thing that I have learned through all my life experiences is from all the different men in my life that, and I truly believe that the, the meaning of a man is all about your word and what you say yeah. and what you do. If I tell you I'm there for you at any time, any, any place, you call me, I better be there. Yeah. Because I, I, that's just, I mean, it's, I'm saying something that's not truthful. And I'm all about, I do what, we just had this thing where we had to, see what our headstones would say. And I truly believe that mine would say, always there for others before himself. And I think going through the Marine Corps, losing my parents, all the struggles I've had, eventually, someday, that light's gonna shine through that tunnel. And it might be here, it might be there, yeah. up in heaven. I mean, who, who knows, but I just, I'm always looking forward and I'm always looking at, I don't dwell on things that I can't control. And I have kind of picked things up from, you know, not having anybody but myself right now that I've been, I get things out of movies that really touch me and drive me. And well, movies, you know, 
movies are art. You know what I mean? Music, people say, well, I, I really connect to music. Well, you know what? That's art, too. I mean, I think that we can look at any of those social commentary-type art things and learn from them. I mean, what, what kind of things are you seeing? Like, there's three movies that I've, take, I've learned a lot from, and um, two of them were The Ultimate Gift and Ultimate Life. Absolutely love those movies. Anybody that I see that's kind of going through a hard time, I say, here, watch these. Because it, it really, there's a, there's a scene that was real small in the movie, but to me it was extremely powerful. Where they're on the train, and the guy that's kind of helping get to his next destination, he wakes up and sees the guy with his finger writing in the air. And he asked him what you're doing. He says, my mom always told me to start the day writing out 10 things that I'm thankful for. And he goes, why is that? He goes, because if you can't be thankful for the little blessings in life, you're never going to be ready to accept the big one that God gives you. Yeah. And that, just that little scene right there was so powerful. That, the idea, have you ever, have you ever journaled? Have you ever done anything like that where you actually take down the right things that are positive or, you know, kept track of your days? No. I never have either. But <laughs> I, was, uh, I was reading uh, about how if you journal positive situations in your day, it, you know, and it had some time frame after three weeks of doing this, your outlook on blah, blah, blah has changed, you know, I'm not... I'm not some great psychologist. I'm not, you know, don't take advice from me. But one of the things I read about it and I thought it was interesting. And, you know, with, with one of my kids, um, he, he was really focusing on some of the more negative things in life. Focusing on the bad things that happened in his day, the confrontations, and I, I didn't like it. And so one of the things that I started doing at bedtime now is I make him tell me the three best things that happened in his day. And when we started doing it, he couldn't always give me three. Sometimes we struggled to get one. And as time gone, you know, I used to have to explain it to him every morning or every night. I would say, you know, hey, you know, what, is the, what are the good things that happened to you, you know? And, and he would hem and haw. Well, now I just sit down in his bed and I go, what's number one? And he just rattles them off, and then occasionally he'd be like, Dad, can we do five? You know, and yeah, we'll do as many as you want. You tell me all the great things that happened. And just to be able to see him acknowledging the fact where it used to be hard for him to find a good thing to share with me. And now he wants to give me extra good things that happened to him. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I don't know if it changes anything, but it's beautiful to see him just acknowledging good things. And so I didn't know. And that's happened. literally the same thing. I've never seen these movies. Good, so. good things versus blessings. That good thing is a blessing. It is every day. And yeah. if you can, if you can figure out ten little blessings, I mean, it could be as simple as that. I got up today. Yeah. If it's a blessing for you, it's. A I blessing. remember to come to here. Yeah. <laughs> that's a blessing for me, buddy. <laughs> That's a blessing for me. And the other movie that I look from is Soul Surfer. The, sto the true story of the girl that got her arm bit off by a shark. She oh, was a yeah. surfer. I haven't seen that movie for a long time. And, I mean, I put myself in her shoes. Say, well, she survived a um, shark attack where she lost her arm. Here I am, whole. Yeah. I might be broken inside, but that's fixable. She's actually missing an arm. Yeah. And the one spot in there with Carrie Underwood was her group leader for church. And they put these pictures up on the TV screen, and it looks like a big red dot with mumps. And the kids are guessing what it is. And then she backs out. She unzooms the picture, and they're, they're guessing like a beach ball or 
a ball of sand on it or this Mars or something like that. Yeah. And when she pulls back out, it's a fly's eye. And then she puts up another one and it's got all these crevices and craters and all this stuff. And they're all going, oh, that's easy. That's the brain. And she pulls out and it's a walnut. <laughs> and it all it describes on in a time in your life when you can't see straight or you can't really grasp or get up and move. It's you, hard to you're breathe. Too close you're to too close. Situation. You need to pull yeah. back and get a different perspective. And I truly live my life by that right now. Because in the past couple of years, I've almost lost my house twice. Yeah. After my mom, my mom had passed away two years ago. She was my rock. I had a sh four shoulder surgeries on my arm that I hurt saving a guy's life. The company I worked for forced me into a settlement because obviously they couldn't fix it. And so I'm off without a job. Mom's battling cancer. I'm going through all this. She was, she's battling cancer and she's my rock. Yeah. But then she turns around and tells everybody else, he's going through that and he's my rock. So we were each other's rock. And when I lost her, that just really put me in a spiral. I almost lost my house twice. I've gotten behind in everything. Yeah. But I just look at these movies and what I was taught in the Marine Corps about being a Marine and I got up and I just, I filed for disability five times with a lawyer and got turned down all five times. I couldn't, I, my yard is 30 yards wide by about 10 yards deep in the front yard. And it would take me an hour to use a push mower and mow that. Just because you couldn't physically get around? Because I would take one pass across and have to sit down because I couldn't stand. My legs were giving out. And keep getting turned down, keep getting told no. No here, no there, no, no, no. And I just went, well, screw you. I'm gonna make my yes. And I just kept, I filled out over 400 job applications. Finally, I got a job as a car wash attendant at a gas station. I said, it's not glamorous. Hey. It doesn't make much money but it's a start. You know, and, and that's exactly it. And we are not what we do. That's so important to remember. And mm -hmm. I, I, have been, I have been struggling with this idea of who am I? And just more of a contemplative idea, you know, not for, I mean, not for any specific reason, but if I take away all of the things that I do, right? If I can't say, you know, here's what I, here's where I work. If I can't say I'm a father, if I can't say I'm a husband, if I can't say I'm a, you know, somebody's child, who am I? I've been thinking about this for a while and I can't come up with a good answer. I'm, I'm a child of God, yeah, but who am I supposed to be, like in my core? And it makes me kind of in your story you're talking about, you know, you you look at these movies and, you know, the girl that got her arm bit off by the shark attack. Um, she's inspirational to you, right? I mean, yeah. she has struggled through these physical ailments. She, you would assume that she's a normal human. She also struggles with emotional ailments as well, right? Yeah. And she's overcoming those and she's being successful, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the story that I just heard you tell me was you have these physical ailments, right? Mm -hmm. You've had emotional ailments. You're overcoming them. Mm -hmm. So in the same token that this woman, I mean, it's her true story. So this yep. woman has inspired you. Oh, yeah. 
people can look at you and be inspired in the same way. Yeah. I mean, and, that's glorious. And in that movie, that's pretty much the interview that she gives after you watch it and you hear her talking. All through the movie, they, they keep talking about this one passage. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yeah. And that was what she just kept. That was like her mantra. And she really realized, here we are talking about trying to figure out who we are. Yeah. And she was literally doing the same thing. And she goes down to that, I think it was Haiti. I, I can't remember exactly where they went in the movie. But this place had just been ravished by her, by uh, typhoon or... A hurricane? Not that big wall of water. What's oh, like called? a tsunami? Yeah, tsunami. And hurricanes and earthquakes and all this stuff. And here's this little boy that no family. But she teaches him to get back in the water and how to surf, how to ride that wave and ride that board. Then she sees everybody else coming out. So between her and that little, that little boy, you can see it click in her head that that's what she's here to do. She goes back and she has all this fan mail. These people, she bit the dust in a tournament she was in, but this kid here, he got the strength to go out for a soccer team yeah. because watching her get back on the board. And she, I actually watched where she came and was on that TV show, The Amazing Race. Yeah. And everybody's like, we got to watch out for her because she's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop her. And I mean, she's climbing cargo nets one-armed. Keeping up with everybody else. Keeping up with everybody else. And it was, that's why, to me, she's just, and she's way younger than I am. You're not an old guy. You're young. But compared but to. She's 20. She's 20 and I'm 47. <laughs> I could be her dad. But this girl is inspiring me. Yeah. Makes me, it makes me sit back and go, on days that I don't want to get out of bed go, what would Bethany do? Think she'd be laying here? <laughs> yeah. You know, in meeting people with more severe physical ailments, it makes me reflect on where I've, the struggles that I have, and the fact that I don't live my life always to its fullest. You know, the fact that sometimes I take life for granted. The loss of people puts a reality to our finite existence, mm -hmm. you know, on this earth. And understanding that, you know, God has such a bigger plan for us. And whether it's to teach us something, whether it's to put us in situations where we can then grow and be a blessing and an inspiration to others. Or sometimes you have to struggle to know what it's not like to struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as silly as it sounds, sometimes, sometimes you have to know what it feels like to be. You got to hit your rock bottom with, before you know where it is. Yeah, just, to be without, to know what you're missing. And for everybody, everybody has something that's different too. You know what? Some people it's love. Some people it's money. Some people it's friendships. Some people it's you know inspiration. What are those things that we value, and what are those things that are important to us? Because I'm a little bit younger than you, but the older that I get, the more I realize money is just money. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not that important to me. I would rather have you know. Obviously, I you know nobody wants to be unable to support themselves, right? But those relationships are more important sometimes. Those small groups where you have that tight-knit family, those are important. Those, all of those things. And I think that a lot of the overarching theme I think that I've heard from you is the fact that 
you're there for people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're willing to drop what you have at three in the morning because you told somebody you would be there. You're willing to walk hand in hand with somebody and, and let them look at your life with the honest perspective so that they can know a direction to go. You're willing to share and, and be in people's lives. And sometimes that's a rarity. I think that there, there's not very many character qualities that are more important than that. Because if you can, how often do you look at somebody who, who wants friends, needs friends, they can't find somebody who's honest, loyal, compassionate, understanding. Those are things that you've displayed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there are so many things that you can show those people around you that I don't, I think that you should be full of, you should be full of joy. It doesn't mean that life is peaches, right? <laughs> but it means that you should be able to step back and look at the life that you've built and the things that you've done and just say, God has blessed me in ways that maybe other people don't get blessed. And I can use these for everybody around me. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you look back to where before you were, you know, I don't know how early in your walk in that personal relationship it was, probably substantial amount of years, but when you're playing softball, you're not involved in a small group. You're probably in a very different mindset than you are now, right? Yeah. But yet you still, that pastor scene that you were able to make those connections with those people that played that maybe didn't know Christ, but yet you were still equipped in a way that other people were not to be able to reach them, to reach the lost, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah. It sounds like you're doing it, man. I think that, I think that it's inspirational. I think that, that people have so much to learn from you, and that's why I'm so glad you took the time to come and be here and share your story because I think that so many people can hear the struggles and the issues that you have maybe gone through in your life. And I'm sure that those are just, we just brush the surface on those, right? Yeah. But they can, they can hear it, they can read into it, they can know some of where you've been, some of the pain and struggles that you've had, but yet you come out the other side and you're still happy. You still understand loyalty. You still understand this connection with God that is so vital and important that you can't give it up. Mm -hmm. So when we see you five years down the road, 10 years down the road, what are the blessings that you think God gave me everything that I can desire in his kingdom and for my life? Where do you want to see yourself in five, 10 years? What do you, what do you think would be a, a place that would be desirable for you? I, I truly believe, I think, I mean, really thinking about this, like you said, who am I, where am I? And I think if God had blessed me to, I could go out and do whatever I wanted. I think maybe a, like a motivational speaker type deal. Yeah. Would be something I mean, because that's, I mean, that's who I am at the very minute part of my being is I get happiness from making other people happy. Yeah. So I would, I would say just, and the more that I do that, I believe that I'm allowing God to work through me and do his work. And that's the one thing that I pray every morning when I get up is, God, just guide me through the day to be that vessel for you to do your work through me as I'm at work. Yeah. The people that I come in contact with on my way to work and back home from work, just let me be the vessel that takes you to where you want to be and for you to do your work through me. And I think that... Just having that ability to 
overcome and motivate. I think that that'll get you there, man. I think that, you know, if it's something, if it's something that you really desire, run for it, you know. But yeah, if it's something that you desire, just run with it, man, because it's like you said, you know, I can do all things through Christ. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's, it's true. There's so many opportunities out there, and I think sometimes the only thing that holds us back is us. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you got to be in uncomfortable places. But, you know, when we get through that, overcome it, God, there's nothing but joy, you know, and, and we get where we get where we need to be. And I think that I think that you're moving there, man. I really do. And I hope that you feel it. I mean, I see I see just in that con short conversation that we've had, just that amount of love and compassion is what, you know, it just it just overflows, man. You you seem you seem to be just seem to be a wonderful man. I'm a big guy, so I got a lot to overflow. You're, you're big man, you got a lot to overflow. <laughs> I like it. So I just I have a hard time coming up with words for it, but I'm just it's it's so special that you're willing to share that with us. I know one of the things I always try to wrap up with is if somebody listens to this and they can relate to bits and pieces, I, I would love for you can you can explain to them the situation better than I can. So I think one of the one of the key things that we hit on here way back at the beginning was that idea of God doing something that we don't understand, right? Thinking that thinking that God can be this angry leave you alone you know in, in your loss if somebody is experiencing in that loss if somebody is experiencing heartache lonesome what what would you tell them to be able to help them know that there is that light at the end of the tunnel that you got somewhere to go and god has not left you well, what did you have to go through to kind of get there if you could leave them with a little ted tidbit information for me it was just you got to take you got to step it back to the basic and start by just getting out of bed just breathing um taking small steps forward because the worst thing that you can do is shut yourself off if you shut yourself off then you can't allow anybody else to help, to let that light in. If you build those walls up, the light can't get to you. So for me, it was just getting back to the basics, allowing people in, and looking for, try to find those little blessings. That things that I can say there's a I was able to walk five feet today or for me it was I went to the end of the block and back where I couldn't walk across my yard once yeah. I made it to the second driveway down the street and back to the regular person they don't. They don't see what the, what big a deal that is. But for you, for us in that moment, we know how big that deal is. Celebrating those small victories. If you don't live in those small victories, the big ones seem like they're so far away and they're so unattainable. But the, the little bits that you head towards it, next thing you know, you'll see it there in front of you. Just keep moving, right? Just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Don't look back. Don't look back. I love it, man. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here with me. I love your story, and it's an honor that you were able to, to come and share it with me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Don's story as much as I did. I know that I'm so thankful that he was able to just give us that kind of unchecked emotion and that honesty in his life. And I know one of the things coming into Christmas, it's so important that 
we just remember that those people around us all have a story and I know that Christmas is sometimes hard for people so I think the story of grace and understanding and you know like Don was talking about you never know where somebody's at and so as we as we venture into Christmas let's just remember what Jesus did for us and why he came as a man and remember that those around us are important and we don't know the struggles that they're going through so let's approach it with just this attitude of grace and see if Christmas turns into uh, a more wonderful time than it usually is I hope that you guys have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful safe New Year's and I look forward to seeing you again next year with that have a great week and be blessed